Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tell you, a compliment like that from Rex Mooneyham means more than you can imagine. He's uh, probably one of the most respected ministers in all of southwest Missouri, if not Missouri. And uh, I started coming to his church as a boy, was dragged to his church as a boy, and I'm sure slept under the pews like most of the other kids, and uh, grew up in his church, and then as a young adult, attended for many years, and he taught me a lot. He encouraged me to go into ministry, um, gave me the opportunity to preach like he does a lot of the folks on Wednesday nights. You know, there's some churches that just don't give that opportunity to folks who feel they're called. And uh, now that uh, I'm, of course, in my own ministry and everything, Pastor Rex always uh, calls, uh, you know, to to preach every now and again. And we were just talking. We kind of know when one another's going to know when I'm supposed to preach because I kind of get an inkling and he gets an inkling and then we we confirm it. So, you know, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. So it's good good to be here tonight. Good to see Pastor Luella and, of course, my mom's here. Um, tonight, I, I was wrestling a lot this week with uh, what to preach on, and uh, the enemy actually did begin to hover over my life in almost every circumstance this week, and it felt like he was just trying to draw things away and trying to get me disturbed or trying to get me to to feel that I wasn't on point with the Lord, and it just felt like there was a reason why tonight shouldn't happen. There was a reason why that I shouldn't be here tonight. I had trouble getting here tonight. I had to wait on a train. I had to wait on a truck. I had to wait on a cop. I had to wait on my mom. And <laughs> But I got here. And you know what? This week has been a hard week. And I could feel the enemy draw. And, you know, as a good student of the Bible, we're taught to know your enemy. You know, any good football team, they're going to go look at film of the opponent and see how those people play, see how that team plays and how they react. And you know what? Sometimes we got to know what the enemy's up to and we got to figure some things out because, you know, when, when times are good, we tend to not pray as well. But if you're like me, and when I point my finger out there, there's three pointing back at me. If you're like me, there's times that I really get into prayer when something's going bad. But it's when things aren't going bad is when I should be praying the most. It's when things are going well that I should be praying the most. That's when I should be seeking God the most. And you know, it reminds me, it reminds me of Jehoshaphat in uh, in First Kings, I believe it is, where there was this great Aramean army that encircled the entire city, and they knew they were done for. And you know what? He he didn't know what else to do except to stop and cry out to God. And he went to the temple and he prayed to God. And he said, God, we know you can do this. We've seen you do this with Moses and Aaron and all these other great prophets of the Bible. And he cried out to God and they began to sing praises. And that very day, that army turned on itself and killed everyone. And Jehoshaphat went and the entire Israelites took all the plunder. And what the prophet told him, Ahaziah, he told him, he said, The battle is not yours, but it's God's. 
And tonight I'm here to tell you that it's not our battle, it's God's battle. But you know what? He wants us to be prepared. He wants us to put on that armor of God. He wants us to be ready to go to battle. And you know what? We may, we may not know. We may get home tonight and we get that call from a loved one that somebody's sick and getting ready to go on a ventilator. And you know what? That's the last thing. More than 675,000 people have died in America. And that's more than the 1918 pandemic. And regardless of our thoughts on this, people are dying. And they're spending eternity somewhere. And we can get a call tonight that that loved one has a fever. Or somebody was in an accident. Or all these things that can occur. We're all aware of these things. But you know what? I think sometimes in, in life, especially here in America, where we have civil liberties, we have civil rights, we have all these freedoms, we have this great freedom to worship. You know, sometimes we just get involved with going to work, getting up taking care of the family, paying the bills, doing all those things we know to do. But you know what? We're called to pray. We're called to stand in the gap. We're called to reach out and help one another. And Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and soul. And he said the next one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that means to carry one another's burdens. And you know what? When I look out over this room tonight, I see that there's burdens here this evening. I can see through the Spirit so that there are people who are heavy with a spirit of heaviness. There are people here tonight that are downtrodden. There are people here tonight that are in pain sitting in that pew. There are people here tonight that are lonely at the loss of that loved one. There are people here tonight who are worried and anxious about what tomorrow holds. There's people here tonight who are worried about that, how that next bill is going to be paid. And I'm here to tell you that if you reach out to Jesus Christ who was crucified and died on that cross for our sins and is now set at the right hand of the throne of God ever interceding behalf on you and on my behalf that he's going to answer your prayer tonight and I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter what the devil thinks he can do to you it will not happen and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight is the devil and I don't want to give him any more glory than he deserves but I will tell you this every time I get behind that sacred pulpit desk I get nervous as a cat because my grandfather told me he was my spiritual mentor he said whenever you stop getting nervous of the anointing and the power of God and his holy word that's when you need to sit down and quit preaching because what comes forth from the sacred pulpit desk is direct from the spirit of God if the minister is right in prayer fasting the word and everything else and anybody that steps foot here needs to realize that it's a sacred place and we're accountable for every word we speak and tonight, as I speak about this subject, I knew the enemy was going to attack. I knew that there was going to be spiritual warfare. In John 10 and 10, Jesus said this, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, I studied this out a little bit, and we all realize that John 10.10 10 is a very well-known verse of Scripture. And, you know, Jesus talks about this, and he talks about the shepherds being in the field and him being the, the, the shepherd, but also him being the gate for those sheep. And Jesus said that straight is the way and narrow is the gate. We recall that. And he said that, he says this about the thief for a reason. 
Because the thief wants to steal the sheep. The thief wants to destroy the sheep. The thief wants to kill the sheep. And I looked into some of the words that are here, and I looked in the original Greek, and basically what I what I was able to see is that there's some there's some significant meanings to each of these three words to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if we expand this interpretation of this passage and we read it like we could really understand it in today's common terms and realize what he is saying to us, it will awaken us and it'll be a clarion call to pray. It'll be a it'll be a way to tell you that, Lord, I need to pray and intercede in every situation, in every area of my life. And and before I go on into what this this expanded interpretation, I believe, shows, I want to tell you that. That all this week, whenever I go to that prison and I hear those still doors clank shut and I walk those halls where the worst of the worst from the federal penitentiaries come from, I go to those corridors where it's the insane asylum and I hear noises, I hear sounds that are not human. We only know what they are. And I deal with that on a daily basis and I have to be prayed of. I have to teach a guy how to read. I have to teach a guy on death row how to read a book because the Supreme Court says so. And I have to enter that cage with that horrible man who's done unspeakable things. But you know what? When I do my job on a daily basis, because I'm prayed up and because I'm ready to go and because I know I have to be ready at a moment's notice, not just when things go bad, that I am ready to defend my life and press a body alarm if I'm in trouble and get the cavalry to come running, that it doesn't even bother me anymore. Isn't that the way it should be with the devil? We shouldn't even worry about what he does anymore. We should be so prayed up, so ready to go, so on guard, so filled up with the Spirit overflowing, that when he does these things out here in this old world, that it doesn't even bother us. And we could be like Smith Wigglesworth when he said in his book, one night he woke up, he looked over and sitting in his easy chair was a devil. He looked at it and he said, oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. Now me, I probably would have said a couple of I rebuke you's and spoke in tongues a little bit, you know, whatever, and prayed and got up. And I don't know what I would have done, but if he would manifest himself right there, I would have really been undone, I'm sure. And that actually did happen to me when I was a young minister. It was the middle of the night, about 3 a.m., I was woke up, and an evil so hatred and gross and foul appeared in my room. I could smell it, and I could feel the hot breath, and I was afraid to even think that it was Satan himself, and what did I do? I called my grandfather, my spiritual mentor. He answered the phone and said, hello, Charlie. That was back in the day when we had landlines. He didn't have caller ID. He knew I had called. He was awoken by the Spirit. He said, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Leave my grandson alone. He said, it's going to be okay, Charles. Go back to sleep. And I did. And I say that because when he comes around, it's his job to still kill and to destroy. And as you think about this expanded interpretation of it, it says the thief wants to get his hands into every good thing in your life. In fact, he's a pickpocket looking for any opportunity to just sleuth around you and pick something out of your pocket like an old thief on the street. And he wants to wiggle his way so deeply into your personal affairs that he can walk off with everything you hold precious and dear. And that's not all. When he's finished stealing all your goods and possessions, 
He'll take his plan to rob you blind to the next level. He'll create conditions and situations so horrible that you'll see no way out except to sacrifice everything that remains in your life to keep from all those other attacks he's going to hit you with. The goal of the thief is to totally waste and devastate your life. If nothing stops him, he'll leave you insolvent, flat broke, and cleaned out in every area of your life. You'll end up feeling as if you're finished or out of business, and make no mistake, the enemy's ultimate aim is to obliterate you. Every day that you rise, every day that you have breath, It's his job to get rid of you. It's his job to take you out. If you don't believe that, let me give you some examples. I remember it was about 15 years ago. My friend from college, he was my best man at my wedding. He stood up with me and we would talk and call and I would be able to speak life into him and talk to him about God and talk to him about eternity. And he wasn't married yet. I was married and I had a small boy and he he wandered often about God, but he was of the Lutheran church and I'm not knocking that church. I'm just saying... He didn't understand the way I did coming from my background and growing up in Rex's church. He didn't understand what the spirit was. He didn't understand when the enemy attacked, how he could go on the offense against him and on the defense. And he would talk about God and Charlie, what is it that I need to do? How do I pray? What do I do? And we were so close. Nobody knows a man's heart except God. And I don't know whether he was saved or not in the end, but one night I got a phone call that he was killed in a drunk driving accident. His life was taken. Satan was determined and he took it. And then I knew, Lord, had I not prayed for my friend Steve more, had I not stood in the gap more, had I not, had I not at least mentioned his name in prayer one more time, had I not studied the Bible or, or read it to him over the telephone or explained the, the, the Roman road to him or whatever it was that I needed to do. And you know, life is so short, it's so fleeting. Now I'm 49 years old in a week and it feels like it's still 1984 to me. Life has gone so fast. And there's so much to do. There's so many people who are lost and undone without God that I can't get through to you the urgency of this message. All I know is that the devil didn't want it spoken. He didn't want me here. Rex and I agreed that I was to preach even before he called. I knew. He knew that I would know and we laughed about it. But you know what? I'm here to tell you that God has a plan and he knows exactly what he's doing. And I believe this is a clarion call to his church to say if you rise up right here in Aurora and you begin to take on that commitment that I called you to and you begin to pray like you never prayed before and you begin to study that word like you have never studied before and you begin to seek me through the spirit through groanings that can only be uttered uh, that you can't even understand and you begin to pray in the spirit that he's going to begin to change lives in such a way that we will be baffled I'm constantly in admiration of the miracles of the Bible It's so wonderful to see all the miracles. But the enemy doesn't want us to have those either. You know, I remember years ago, my grandmother, her hand was withered from several strokes. And we were in church and she asked for prayer for that hand. And I remember I walked up to her and so did others and we anointed her with oil. And I remember she could barely walk. And she, she raised that hand up and God intervened and she began to stretch out that hand. 
And then she began to dance. And she danced like a little old lady that we knew years ago named Sister Markle. Uh, some of you guys might remember her. But she just danced around, and it was so beautiful and precious because that miracle occurred right there. And it was that creative miracle. And, you know, that was a long time ago. And it seems to me that... You know, as a boy, I saw lots of things, and as a young man, and even as an adult, I've seen miracles. But you know what? It's not like we remember. It's not like we remember when we went to revival, and when we had church service on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We had brush arbors. We had all these things. It's because people were hungry for God. And now, they're more hungry for their cell phone. Now they're more hungry for other things. And it's, 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 it's incumbent upon us. It's, it's so important. Like this lady that sang tonight, the Spirit just moved me so mightily because her heart was so connected to God in every single word that she sang that I knew that it was directly from the throne of God. And then this young lady tonight who, who led worship, uh, there was doubt in her mind. And you, you, feel like you, you feel like you aren't adequate enough to lead worship. But I'll tell you what, the anointing is on your life. God has chosen you to be a singer and a leader. And if you continue to do that, you're going to see him just pour out his spirit in a mighty way. And you see, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to encourage one another and fight off the enemy. And as I go on and explain about the devil and how he tries to steal, kill, and destroy, I remember him killing people, literally. I, I, I've seen him try to steal people. Steal them completely away. Have you ever seen somebody's life who's shattered with meth and they're just a shell of a person and the devil just tries to steal that life out of them or, or somebody who's a drunkard I recall my uncle he had drank for so many years that his gallbladder had turned to glass and his kidney had turned to they said it was a glass kidney almost because he had drank so much but on his deathbed about a week before he died he said Charlie I want to be baptized and you know what I had to baptize him with a bowl and just put that water over his head as, as I was able. And he said, well, where's my certificate? And I hung that certificate right at, at, at the edge of his bed where he could see it. And he was so proud of that. And you know what? One week later, I had to help carry his body out of his trailer because they couldn't get a gurney in there. But I knew where he was. You see, the enemy stole his life all those years. He sure did. What if we had pressed in more? What if we had done more? Well, you might say, Charlie, at the end stage, he, he was saved. Yeah, that's right. To the glory of God and to God's grace. Thank God for his grace. And you know, the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to take away from us so many things. He wants to destroy everything in our lives. And you know, we've seen homes destroyed by fire. We've seen people's lives destroyed by drugs. We've seen so many things like this. And you know, I remember a young man years ago, I was a youth pastor, um, Carrie and I were, and we had the youth praying and they wanted to seek the Holy Spirit. And when teenagers want to seek the Holy Spirit, that's something special. Because you can't, you can't make them do that. <laughs> They're not going to do it. You can't make them take out the trash, you know. So um, they began to seek the Holy Spirit. And this one young man, he... Uh, he stood up and he just began weeping. He said, Pastor Charlie, I, I've tried to kill myself twice this week. And my heart just sank and I thought, God, what am I going to do? You know, this boy needs his help. And we began to pray and I asked the youth to pray. I didn't know how to have the youth surround this boy. 
But I knew that that spirit had to be rebuked. I knew that that spirit was trying to take control of his body and his mind. And we rebuked that spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus. And this black blob came out of one ear, circled around his head, and went out the window. And I'll never forget that. Because it went out the window and I immediately was checked in my spirit. You're supposed to cast it back to hell where it come from. And I didn't. But I, uh, you know, that's another story. You live and learn as a minister. But that young boy, that was destroying his life at the time. And I found out that he had recovered from that. I don't think that he uh, ever did that again. And now he's a young man. I think he's married. But had we not intervened that night, no telling what would have happened. And Jesus, in these same words where he said, the thief comes, but the still kill and destroy. He said, but, but I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we have that life that we, that we have that is more abundantly and we take that, that very sentence and we interpret it like I did the last one and, and draw it out a little bit and amplify it. He says, but I came that they might have, keep, and constantly retain a vitality, a gusto, a vigor, and zest for living that springs up from deep down inside. I came that they might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, incomparable, richly loaded and overflowing life to the ultimate maximum. That's abundant life. And that means you're so overflowing with the Spirit of God that you are in tune with Christ in the heavenlies. And you know that you know that if you walk up to somebody, you can tell by the Spirit that there may be a need in their life. And you begin to minister and move. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter if you're a stranger on the street or somebody I've known for 40 years. If God tells me there's a need in your life, I'm going to address it. I'm not afraid of it anymore. And you know what? My goal now is to not even think about Charlie Johnson. My goal is to think about how can I care for others. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And if I love me enough, I'm going to love you enough. If I want good things for me, I'm going to want good things for you. If the, Jesus said, what father doesn't give his child a good gift? And that's what God wants to do in our lives. And you see, there's people that I encounter almost on a daily basis. And it's not because of me. It's because of the grace of God that there's something that's going on in their life and they need a touch. They need a real tangible touch from the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we're the only Bible that anybody ever reads. Sometimes our actions are the only Bible that anybody ever sees. And you know what? Whenever we go up to a brother and we say, I will help you with this, or I'll simply carry out your groceries, or I'll talk to you about this problem and actually listen instead of trying to think of what we want to say next, we actually listen to what they're saying. And you say, I hear you, brother. I hear you, sister. That must be difficult. And you know what? A lot of times people only want some sympathy. They want somebody to agree with them to say, I realize it's hard. I realize you're going through it right now. And you know, Tuesday, I had an awful day, awful day at work. It was hot. It was like 90 degrees and we have to wear these stab vests. And you know, I look like a Michelin man anyway in that stab vest. And uh, it was hot in the prison. There's no air conditioning in the building I work in. And so I had to go over to the college and teach a class over there on Tuesday night. And I was just through. It was a horrible day. And I had to get gas. And so I went inside and I went to get coffee and a soda because I was just wiped out. I needed both. And 
I really didn't want the coffee because it was so hot, but I just knew I needed it. And so I went up to that coffee machine and it's like, it's like I could see myself making that coffee, putting in the cream. And it was like, I wasn't even there. I was just like seeing myself go through the motions and my right here in the pit of my chest, I just had this awful pain. And I just said, Lord, take it away in Jesus name. And he did. And then I just started sweating like crazy. And I went and got my soda and I took him up to the counter and I told the cashier, I need $25 on pump 13. And then she rang it up and I put my card in and pulled it out. And I noticed that it was just $25. She charged me. I said, no, I had these two drinks too. She said, it's on me. It looked like you needed them today. And you know what? I said, that's so special. I said, thank you. And it was a young gal. I knew she probably didn't have money. I went to that gas tank and I raised my hands to the Lord. And there's college students all around, but I didn't care. I said, thank you, Lord, you know, for the coffee and the soda. It meant so much to me that it changed my, it changed my attitude that very evening. And it was a simple blessing of God. And it was her helping to take care of my needs, just like Jesus said. If you notice, every time he performed a miracle... He was taking care of the whole need, not, not just the physical, it was everything, mental, spiritual, physical, financial, all that. And you know, I have to say, as I begin to close here, the psalmist said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread. We have so much that we can be thankful for. We have so much that we can pray for. And tonight I tell you that if we begin to earnestly seek God in a way that we never have before in our lifetimes, it's proven over and over again from every apostle, from every person in the Bible, from everyone here that's been in, in, in Christ for all these years, we know what works. We know. And sometimes we have to be reminded of it. But you know what? If as a people, a collective group, we begin to do this right here at Aurora Faithful Gospel Church, I guarantee you the doors will not hold them. They will not hold them, Pastor Rex. And anybody within the sound of my voice that has the prophetic gifting, I believe you will agree with me in the spirit that this is the beginning of something right here at Faithful Gospel. That if you devote your time to prayer and you devote your time to God and you say, Lord, I'm serious about this. A lot of folks aren't serious right now, Lord, but I am. I want to do everything within my power, within my human capabilities, to live like you said I should, and to stop the enemy from doing all these things in my life, in my family's life, in my friend's life, in my city's life, in my state and country. And I command uh, the evil to flee, and you begin to, you begin to pray in the Spirit and pray for what you ought to instead of what we think we ought to have. And we begin to seek God, that he will draw people to this church. I believe that so strongly, just as, just, as, just as sure as that those glass doors are right there in front of me. I truly believe that. Pastor X, mark it down. I truly believe because, you know, regardless of what happens in our lives, tonight there's pain in our bodies. There's anger with what's going on in our world. There's hard times, to say the least. And there's many people who need the Lord tonight. And, you know, just like Job's wife she kept after him, and he said, Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. And you know, the psalmist said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. 
And James said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And in Deuteronomy it says, for the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. And you know, tonight we need to be encouraged by the scripture. And we need to reach down in that very soul to the depths of our stomach. And seek God in such a way and be empowered by the word of God. And even Ephesians says, finally brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And you know, tonight we need to stand. My mom was talking the night as we came here. She said, I was having a rough day, but I remembered that scripture. It said, when all you can do is stand, is stand. And you know what? Sometimes we just have to stand before the Lord. Sometimes we have to stand before the enemy. We can't do anything else. And you know, Romans says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors for Christ Jesus who loved us. And I'm here to encourage you by the scripture. I'm here to encourage you tonight by by the, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit. And you know, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you. He gave us all these things. And he said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And you know, Ephesians also says that if we take on that whole armor of God and we stand, and then in Psalms it says, when we go through God, we shall do valiantly. I'm a valiant warrior, aren't you? We're valiant warriors. We are victors and not victims. And it's time we stand up as Christians, as soldiers of the mighty army of God. And we look the devil square in the eye and we say, you're not going to kill. You're not going to steal. You're not going to destroy. In fact, I'm going to go to your camp and I'm going to steal what you stole from me. And we have that power. We have that right because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And you know what? It says that we shall tread down our enemies. If this is not a warfare, I don't know what is. Those of us that have been through spiritual warfare, we see it in the spiritual. Sometimes it happens in the natural. But I'm here to tell you, once you convince your mind and you convince your soul that you're going to pray like this and you're going to be like this and you're going to go out there and you're going to do what Jesus said to carry one another's burdens and to love others like you would love yourself and then you begin to focus on other people and you begin to help them, then I'll tell you what, all your problems are going to seemingly disappear. Because the Word says that looking unto Jesus Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And when you get your eyes on Jesus, there's nothing else that matters. When you get your eyes on Jesus, everything in this old world just seems to fade away. When you get your eyes on Jesus, that pain in your body will go away. When you get your eyes on Jesus, that shuttered daughter, they'll come back to the fold. When you get your eyes on Jesus, those bills will be paid. And I'm here to tell you tonight that God, his right hand is glorious in power and he dashes in pieces the enemy. I don't know how to make it any more clear tonight. Any more clear that we win. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. We win. But we live like we're conquered. We don't have to beg for a miracle. We don't have to beg for God to help us. We don't have to do these things. And he will in time help us when we need it. But I'm here to tell you that we're allowed to just go take it. Because Jesus died on that cross. We can just go take what we need from the Father. My dad told me many years, he said, Son, if I'm not here, you come on in. You make yourself a home at the house. You go to the refrigerator and you get whatever you need. And I still do that. And he's been gone, what, four years? I took him at his word. And that's the same way with our Heavenly Father. 
He says, come to my storehouse. He even says, I dare you. I dare you to ask for a blessing. I dare you to seek me for a blessing. And you cannot even contain it. He dares us to ask him these things. And I'll tell you what tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All of us have been Christians for a long time. And for years and years and years, we've been told about all those things that we should expect and see. And you know what? I think I'm ready to start seeing miracle services, aren't you? I think I'm ready to start seeing creation miracles. I think I'm ready to start seeing people filled with the Spirit. I'm ready to see this overflow to where, uh, like Isaiah said, everything that it touches, it gives life to. Everything that flowed out of the temple. And they called that the rivers of living water. The very water that came from Jesus Christ. But it's available to us tonight. And I think that we as a church are remiss if we don't access that and just work a little bit harder. You know, sometimes a minister's job is, is, is not to pat us on the back. Sometimes a minister's job isn't to provide motivational speaking. And, you know, sometimes a worship leader isn't supposed to be the next American Idol. Sometimes the minister is supposed to check us in our spirit and say, Charlie, have you done everything you can? Are you doing everything you can tonight? Can't you pray a little more? Jesus went to the garden many times. And the disciples fell asleep many times. I've done that. I've prayed where I fall asleep in bed. And you know what God told me? Get up and go to the couch. And I'll kneel down at the couch in the, in the middle of the night when I pray that way. I don't fall asleep. Just little things. And you know, it doesn't matter if you can't get on your knees or you can't, you can't pray a certain way. What matters is not the position of your body, but the position of your heart. And you can pray sitting up or whatever you need. Can't we press in just a little more? Can't we all do that together? And you know what? With the 30, 40, 50 people in this room, imagine if we all did this tonight. Just spend an extra five minutes in prayer at home. An extra five minutes studying that word. And then we make a commitment to go find somebody that needs it. My goodness. And you know what? Any problem that I had this week, all the depression I felt, everything else, it's lifted. It's gone. It's gone. I knew it would go. I knew it would go. And I knew I would have a breakthrough. The enemy didn't want it spoken. And it's like Pastor Rex said, boy, I sure wish the house was full tonight because he knows that when God wants to speak and show up, it's all about him, and it's not about who's speaking at all. Pastor, I'll turn the service back over to you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.